Sego. I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching on Facebook Live, um, or if you're hearing me live, uh, I did survive my trip to, uh, to New York this week. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, we're going to go to your calls at the bottom of the hour. I, I rather enjoyed getting a chance to do that last week. And, um, and I'll talk about some other things beyond my trip and, you know, kind of what the, some of the latest is on some of the things that I've been working on. Um, but first, I got to remind people we are listener supported radio. We depend on your contributions, your donations, your sponsorship of this station. Um, my presence on this station is not a foregone conclusion. It, it does depend on, first, that the station continues to exist and that enough of you support the station and the program that I deliver to the station by making a donation to the station during my program or in the name of my program. So um, I hope that you'll do that. Uh, if you are listening in New York, uh, I hope that you'll go to the pledge line, which is 212-209-2950, or go online to give to WBAI.org. If you're listening in Washington, D.C. on WPFW, I hope you'll go to their pledge line, which is 202 588 9739 or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Uh, we, we do. We count on your contributions. We are essentially listener-sponsored only, a listener-sponsored only station. Uh, we don't get funding from, from corporations, um, anything to speak of anyway, and uh, we are not uh, sponsored or, or supported by the government. So this is, uh, this is on you. This is on you to... Um, to support this, these radio stations and to support the programming on these radio stations. So, all right. So I went to New York and that may not be a big deal to those of you who live in New York, <laughs> but uh, I haven't been to New York city in over three years. It was the first week in March of 2020 that uh, upon my return, um, I decided that COVID was such that I probably should not be going back until, uh, and, and until we saw where this was going. And it went bad. Um, it was strange to go through, go to New York and talk to some people who, who spoke about what it was like during the, the worst part of that pandemic. Um, I was hoping that some of the restaurants that I used to frequent were still gonna be there, uh, and, they, and they were. Uh, it didn't, you know, nothing seems to have diminished some of the building and you know some of the construction that happens in in New York City, uh, all there were buildings that weren't there three years ago. So um, New York seems to have survived COVID and my absence, uh, and and I survived the trip. Look, this was a bit of a test for me. Uh, as many of you know, I've been somewhat suffering with uh, with not only a, a knee knee surgery, but uh, a knee surgery that went bad with infection, and I'm not 100 percent and. And trust me, I, I'm feeling it today, and, and I certainly felt it yesterday after um, uh, not just the, the stairs at the su on the subway and, and all the, the walking, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was a bit of a burden. But you know, look, I, I, I was able to walk. I, I didn't lose my ability to walk, so um, uh, everything, everything went all right. Um, as far as the book launch goes, and, and again, I'm talking about a, a book that I do have a piece in, you know, I do have a... A, a small section in the book, and the book is called The Mohawk Warrior Society, A Handbook on Sovereignty and Survival. It is a, um, uh, it is a unique book in that, although it, it captures a lot of writings that, uh, that many of our mentors, um, 
for many of us, our mentor, Louis Hall, Gurunjat Dajje, had written so much during his lifetime. And it's a, it's a compilation of some of his writings. But it also includes interviews with some of the people that I have worked with over the years and, and includes a, a piece that, uh, that I wrote uh, specifically about, about my um, understanding and my claim to being a warrior. So um, that's what the book is about. I'm actually, I've actually got some copies that I will offer up when we go, go into a fun drive mode uh, later on in the month. Uh, so uh, I'll get those registered premiums and, uh, and we'll offer some of those up. Um, but it, it is a, it's, it's kind of a historic thing to, to see the, the very people who gathered at the Judson Church, Judson Memorial Church uh, on Tuesday. It was, we, look, we were there for like three hours and we kept the audience uh, totally engaged. Um, we had a, a, a pretty good turnout, I think. We had a, we, we had a significant turnout. Um, it was great to see my listeners from WBAI there. Uh, I was also uh, just impressed to see how many people had traveled to New York for this book launch. Um, you know, my friends uh, from Cattaraugus, my, my, my buddy Matt Hill, my, my good friends Ross and Holly John, and I saw m my good friend uh, uh, Jesse Spring and his wife Ruby with their kids uh, that made the trip. So, look, we, we saw a pretty, a pretty good attendance there. I know we sold quite a few books, and, uh, and I was able to smuggle some out for uh, for premiums for for our future our upcoming uh, uh, fund drive. So, um, look, we we addressed a lot of issues, and we didn't just talk about the adversities that that we have experienced in our lifetime. We talk about what our backgrounds were and how we got there, and and how this book and and the 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 main subject of this book, Louis Hall, how he shaped uh, you know our view and our and how much he encouraged us and empowered us to do the things that we've done. And look, we, we also tried to make sure that people understood that we have um, done some things in our lifetime that had never been done before. The thing about warrior societies, um, as, as they've been come to be known, is that this was not just an, an American Indian movement. This was a sovereignty movement. This was us reclaiming and reasserting after frankly, generations have had their sovereignty infringed upon. So that's what we have done in, in my lifetime. And so the people who, most of them are, are somewhat older than me, but even some of the younger ones are coming up behind me. That's what our mission is. That's what we're trying to do. That's the reason I do this show. I do this show to try to educate people as to not just the adversities that we face, but the ones that we have, that, but the, the ones that we have faced and, and, and conquered. And, you know, and I've talked about the mascot issue, and I'll, talk, I'll give a little bit of an update on some of that as well um, today. But there are so many things. That, there, we've had tax battles that we've won, you know, or at least we've pushed back against taxing authority. We have had land use and economic development. You know, I've, I've talked plenty about our fight with, uh, with New York State over things like gaming revenue and that kind of stuff. And we don't always win these. Sometimes we have to... Uh, you know, take our lumps for quite a while before we see before we see a change, but we are resilient and we are persistent. And for for many of us, we never look at our current situation as as the place that we're stuck. We always look to the future, and not only the future, what we are going to do in the future, but what we're hoping 
future generations will do. And the reason that this book was put out there was not just so we could, we could recount our experiences, but so that younger people, native and non-native, can understand what the adversities were, how we addressed them, how we persevered, at least in, in many of the instances, and what opportunities there may be going ahead. I did a show, you know, I don't know, a month or so ago where I talked about not yielding to the path that is laid down be before us by our very oppressors. Sometimes we have to take a different, a different approach. Sometimes we do have to get 10,000 people standing, in, uh, standing up in Standing Rock. Sometimes we do have to take on the Canadian military as in Gunasadage and Gunawage during the Oka crisis. Sometimes we, we, again, we push the Department of Education to issue a ban rather than the state legislature on schools using native mascots and making a mockery of our existence. So we have to come up with different strategies. Yes, we're always going to be offered the court. We're always going to be offered, you know, you can sue, you can, you can file an injunction, you can do this. But we know we're never going to have real success. I mean, we have some successes there. But the, the problem is we can't look at the outside court systems as the administrative remedy for the, for the very oppression that we're experiencing from the, the ones who operate those courts. Because it isn't just politicians. It is judges. It is police, uh, you know, police departments. It is you know, elected officials. It's all of it. It's the institutions created with this deeply embedded racism in, in it. So that's what we're fighting. And, and to use it, those very institutions that have racism embedded in it, like the courts, is, is a bit of a fool's game. So sometimes we have to find, we have to find and, and use different strategies for doing that. So, and, and you know, I've talked about much of that during, you know, during my years here on, on WBAI and, and during my time here on WPFW. I was thrilled, actually, to go to New York because I haven't been in so long. And, and, and again, still, still you know, recovering from, um, from, from my knee troubles, uh, I was really excited to do this thing. I took the train, eight-hour train ride from, uh, from Buffalo to, to New York City, something that I used to do on a, on a, on a weekly basis back in the day. Um, it was great to see some of the, uh, some of my listeners and some of the people who used to go to the events that I would ho host in, in New York, predominantly in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn, at the, uh, you know, at the, at the Commons Cafe. Um, and I was encouraged. I, I met people who, who were encouraging me to, to return to doing those events. Some people who talked about helping me organize, uh, doing some of these events, I was offered uh, uh, by the folks who operate and manage the Judson Church that that might be a venue that I could use in the future. So, so my plan is to go back and to come back. I realized that I'm probably not ready to do it on a regular basis, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm still in, the, in a healing process. But um, I could, I, 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 I could come back at any time uh, to, to do an event, and I'm hoping that I can can begin a process of making um, the trip to Washington as well. Because I'd love to host some events down there. Look, you, sometimes you got to get, uh, get to the public. And, you know, and I've said this many times. We need allies. You know, we are, we are a very small population. And we have a hard time affecting change. Now, it's not to say that we can't affect change even with a limited population. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. The ban against high schools using native mascots 
was not a big campaign. It did not have thousands of people involved. It was me going to my old high school and really uh, generating enough support from my old hometown, the, the town that I went to school in, to get a, f a few families to not only stand up to the, the very vocal crowd who wanted to keep calling themselves Cambridge Indians, but to take the fight beyond that school board and to the Department of Education. That's how this thing got fought. It, wa it wasn't a well-funded lobbying effort. We didn't have lawyers. I mean, even the families who filed the complaint with the New York State Department of Education, they didn't hire lawyers. It was, it was a legal process, but they didn't, they didn't hire lawyers. Now, lawyers did have to get involved once uh, my old high school sued the uh, education department. So Letitia James uh, was put in a position to have to defend uh, a high school that was, or, or a department of education that told the high school, you got to change your mascot. And of course, the high school spent tens of thousands of dollars, probably you know, well in excess of $100,000 now, fighting to keep their, uh, you know, their race-based mascot. But, but as far as the effort to get the change, both at my old high school and ultimately to a, a New York State ban, I'm, I'm glad to see, and, and, and many have weighed in since the ban was issued, since the, the uh, Board of Regents voted unanimously to, to ratify and to approve this ban with its rules, I've heard nations weigh in, you know, folks up in Akwesasne, uh, Onondaga, Oneida, Seneca, uh, you know, all over, the folks down in Long Island. I've heard everybody weigh in. There wasn't as much people, many people weighing in when we were making, when we were fighting this battle. And look, and I know people have all the, you know, over the last several decades given their statements about native mascots. But in this specific fight with my old high school and ultimately uh, pushing the New York State Education Department to, to take that ban, not just to Cambridge, but to the entire state. It, it, was a, it was a bit of a lonely crowd there doing that. And, and look, and I'm not complaining because it may have been an, in many ways more effective because we weighed upon the conscience of educators because that's what the, the, the Department of Education is. They're educators, they're not politicians. And the Board of Regents, they're educators, they're, they're not politicians. I realize people say, well, they're non-elected political appointees and whatever. But they're not, you know, wearing, you know, MAGA hats or, or you know, or Joe Biden hats as they, uh, as they serve in those offices. So, you know, and frankly, I want very little to do any, with any of that. But uh, look, we, we accomplished some big things. And, you know, again, getting back to this, to this book, that's what this book was about. That's what Louis Hall, Gordon Yatadje, was all about. He was about empowering us to affect the changes and standing up. And, you know, and, and, and so I, I guess there have been, I don't know, probably three, four, maybe five occasions where I personally have been involved in making big things happen and big changes. Everything from, from, from some of the tax fights to, you know, some of the, 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 the gaming fights. I mean, all, all of that stuff. I mean, and I don't mean by myself, but, but being somebody who took the initiative without being hired to do it. But, but took the initiative and then managed to either inadvertently or directly assemble enough people, allies, accomplices. Let me, let me use that word because, you know, when we, when we talk about, we, about needing allies, 
We don't just need people who, who will silently support us. We need people who, are, who will actively support some of the things we do. And I know I've mentioned this probably more than anybody, anybody on radio, but I still go back to the reaction after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And, and I have to bring that up because when the Black Lives Matter movement really was at its you know, most effective, you know, and, and not just in terms of crowds, but in terms of the demands, we were the beneficiaries of some of that. We saw Columbus statues toppled right, right as they were toppling Confederate statues. We saw the Washington football team forced by financial interests responding to this social justice movement, forced them to drop their name. We saw the, the Cleveland baseball team do the same thing. Look, we've been trying to, to push that movement for, for decades with, with very little success. Oh, you know, we had people that were, were trying to do uh, illegal challenges to their copyright. Uh, we had people who were showing up at games, baseball games, football games. Look, we had people showing up in Kansas City during the, the football draft, still trying to press the issue with, with the Kansas City football team's name. And we know that, that as much as we're going to stay involved in, in, and engaged in these fights, until we get, frankly, white folks and, and other people, and, and, and like I said, I, I, I can't diminish the power that um, Black Lives Matter had on our movements. And look, there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. We didn't organize a Black Lives Matter push to, to support us. It happened organically. It happened naturally. But sometimes we need, need better organization. And so, look, I know that as I do the show, I have to be cautious. I can't do calls to action, right? That's, that's kind of one of the things prohibited here. And I, and I don't. I usually talk about things that did happen. I, you know, if, I, if I tell people we're having an event, come down and you know, buy a book, that's not a call to action. And I'm not even telling you what to do with the book. But, but, but I am telling people that we do have roadmaps that we followed. We do have paths that we've been on. And we do hope that, that people will, will continue to support us and join us. And, and again, I can't say enough about how thrilled I was to see how many people showed up at Judson Church. I mean, more people could have fit. I mean, I'm not going to say we packed the house. But, but it, was, it was a good-sized crowd. And it was great to see some familiar faces. And you, know, you guys know who you are. I'm not going to mention any. I don't want to mention everybody's name because I'll end up leaving some people out. But, you know, look, I met some new people. I saw some old friends. And I shared the stage with, with some very dear old friends. Uh, and, and I can't, uh, you know, I can't express how, how great it was. And, and in a way, it's a historic event. Because, cause look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be maybe downright morbid about it, perhaps. None of us are getting any younger. So when I get to get to share a stage with some of the people that that I've admired over the years, that I rarely get to sit in the same space with, um, that's kind of a historic event. And and this book launch, I mean, and, and I realize that the people listening to the show and even the people who came to came out to the book launch may not realize the significance of the, of the people who were gathered there, but um, it it was significant. And I, and I got to thank my good friend. Uh, Jeff Monroe for coming out and, and recording the event. And eventually we'll, we'll get a YouTube video put out there. And, and of course, I have to mention uh, Yoguine Oaks. Uh, she did an amazing job organizing this thing. And, I, and, I, you know, and again, when I was asked by the, uh, by the editors and the producers of this book, you know, who could they organize with in, in New York, 
you know, uh, Melissa Yogawine was exactly the person I thought of. And, and she, she did not disappoint. She, she generated funding. Uh, she, she organized this whole thing. And, um, and her work was impeccable. Uh, for those who don't know, Yogawine Oaks is the founder and executive director of the North American Indigenous Center of New York. It is a relatively new organization um, and one that I'm pretty optimistic about. And, and look, I realize that sometimes that you get these competing interests in, in organizations, you know, trying to provide a service to people. And, and, but I got to tell you, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about what uh, Yoga Wiene is doing and, uh, and, and the work that she's doing. So uh, if, you, if given a chance to attend an event or run into, you know, anything that, uh, that Yoga Wiene and this uh, North American Indigenous Center is involved in, um, I hope that you'll support it and, uh, and uh, participate in the good work that they're trying to do. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, it was a great trip. I, um, I was tired, and I got to admit, you know, I'm still recovering from, from the amount of walking and, frankly, the amount of stairs. You know, I forget how many flights of stairs there are involved in using the subway system in New York. And, and I got to tell you, after three years, I was a little confused. I, I caught a couple of wrong trains here and there. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I managed to get to where I was going, um, usually on time. Uh, didn't miss my train there or coming back, so everything worked out all right. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, I look forward to, to, to returning, and I look forward to making uh, trips to D.C. as well for the, for the same purpose. I didn't stick around all week long so I could do my show live in studio, um, which was unusual. I don't think I've been to New York in the last decade without doing a show. So this is the first time I went to New York um, to, you know, to just participate in a non-WBAI event. So, uh, so, so that was unusual, too. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for all the people who showed up and for all the people who put effort into, into making this happen. And I will be offering the, um, the Warrior Society a handbook on so sovereignty and survival as a premium when we uh, begin our fund drive uh, in several weeks. So, um, so look forward to that. And I'll, and I'll talk more about the book when we do that as well. So, all right. So as you know, <coughs> I, have, um, I ha have had a, a very specific role in what is now the, the um, statewide ban on the use of native mascots. And I live out in Seneca territory. I live on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. And the Seneca Nation um, really is predominantly two native territories, two, or two specific territories, the Allegheny Territory, sometimes called Ohio, um, and the Cattaraugus Territory. They're, they're separated by, I don't know, 25 miles or so. They have other land holdings, and they have gaming operations on, on some of the uh, lands that they've purchased. Um, but, it, but it's mainly two specific territories. In fact, their, their governing structure is set up where um, eight councilors come from Allegheny and eight councilors come from, uh, from Cattaraugus. And the, the, um, the two major executives, the treasurer and the president, they alternate. You know, so on, uh, in, for two years, the president is from, uh, from Allegheny and the, and, that tre and the treasurer is from Cattaraugus. In the next cycle, uh, executive cycle, um, they switch. Uh, and I don't mean the people switch, but where the location is or which territory those um, those um, officials come from uh, changes. So it's you know it, it is predominantly um, 
uh, addressed as these two territories. Now, there's also a significant native population, Seneca population, that, that doesn't live on Seneca territory. They may live in, in Buffalo or in, you know, perhaps in, even in some other native territories. But, um, but the, the, those are the, the main two territories of the Seneca Nation, just a little background. In Cattaraugus, where I live, there are three school districts that service most of the, the, the native students in Cattaraugus, um, Gowanda, Silver Creek, and Lakeshore. Those are the three school districts that, um, that have a, a rather significant, and when I rather say rather significant, it's still very much a minority uh, existence. I mean, it's, these are still predominantly white schools, but, but it's, it's where the native kids from Cattaraugus go to school. In Allegheny, Allegheny has a unique situation because the city of Salamanca, which is, which is a, basically a state municipality, exists on the, predominantly on the Allegheny territory of the Seneca Nation. Like 95% of the city is within the, uh, the Allegheny Reservation. So it's not just ancestral Seneca land. It is actual Seneca land. In fact, when they were settling the dispute over what is, what is still considered the lease, the Salamanca uh, lease of the lands for its municipality, and they settled this back in the 90s, what really got worked out was the Senecas received a payment from the state and the federal government for being defrauded for, you know, 99 years of a lease. But also, everybody who lives there who's not native, who's not Seneca, has to pay not just a property tax, but they have to make a lease payment to the Seneca Nation. That didn't go over real well. I mean, there was a period of time back then that the um, some of those folks said, well, if I don't own my property, if, if I don't really own this house, I'm going to burn it. And several did. Um, so, I mean, it, it, there was some really tense times. And this is back about 1990 in, in that area, before the settlement and, and shortly after the settlement. Um, now, Seneca's, if they buy any property within this, what is considered the city, which isn't, you know, look, there's still um, territory that's Allegheny territory that's not part of the city. But, but if anybody buys a property within the city, they can take it off the tax rolls. So obviously, that makes it difficult for the municipality in terms of their, their taxing system and their, their revenue system for the municipality. But it would make no sense for Seneca to, to own land within the city of Salamanca and have to pay um, a municipal tax to, you know, <laughs> to, to, the, to the city of Salamanca. So, <clears throat> but this is what has really kind of been the tensions that have existed over the years. Now, much of that has smoothed over since then. Um, I'm not saying there's not, not still tensions. And there, and there clearly are some issues that exist be, in, in every one of our territories and, and the outlying territories between the native and the non-native people. There's just most of it just misunderstanding and a lack of education. And part of what continues that miseducation is the use of the native mascots. Now, I'm going to tell you, none of the schools that service the Cattaraugus uh, students, the, the Cattaraugus Seneca students, uh, or native students have a native mascot, but the city of Salamanca, they are called the Warriors. <clears throat> They've been called the Warriors since the 1930s, and of course, they had you know typical Hollywood stereotypical images that they used for their logo or their mascot. You know, for most of those years, somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s, they changed the logo. But here's the thing: they changed the logo to a depiction of an 18th century chief, Seneca chief. And we know it's a Seneca chief because of the, the, 
we understand the feather configuration on the headdress, which we call a gastoa. But the thing about a chief and that gastoa is that it's a symbol of peace. It's not a symbol, it is not the headgear of a warrior. <clears throat> so for the city of Salamanca school district, they have their nickname being the Warriors. And in fact, when you walk into the gymnasium, they got this big, larger than life, I don't know, you know 10, 15 foot mural of a, an attacking brown skinned, you know, you know, native warrior. You know, and you know, and he looks violent and aggressive and 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 very imposing. And that is the way that word has been used by schools all over the country. When they say we're warriors, that's the imagery that they conjure up. And, and that's what they promote. That's the, those characteristics associated with violence and aggression, all that stuff. Well, look, I'm, I just did a book launch on a book called the, the Mohawk Warrior Society. That's not the way we represent ourselves as warriors or in our word, Rudy Scarvaget. No, we view ourselves as warriors as having the burden of, of carrying the peace and protecting our families. So we're parents, we're grandparents, we're educators, we're, you know, we, we live and work in our communities to, to, to raise our families and to, you know, and, and, to, and, and to help our kids. We're not these vicious warriors out on the war path the way schools have represented a warrior. So when, when I look at Salamanca and I realize, okay, so you got a chief for a logo, but you have a warrior for a nickname. Those things aren't even compatible. That gastoa, again, is the symbol of peace. But see, that's what Salamanca has accepted. And that's what the Senegas who live in Allegheny, who have attended that school, have, have accepted. Now, and I'm bringing all this up because this is where I find one of these issues really problematic uh, as it relates to the ban. Because the, what the ban that was issued by the Board of Regents included was the possibility that a school could keep its native mascot, its nickname, its, its, its logo. But it had to be in a unique circumstance. And it, and it required that the school get permission from a federally recognized tribe to keep their mascot. So the city of Salamanca School District asked the Seneca Nation to give them that permission. And I found out on Monday that the Seneca Nation gave it. They gave permission, even though the Seneca Nation has, has praised this ban and basically characterized it as long overdue. But they looked at Salamanca and the, and, and the fact that it is unique because the school district is on Seneca land, not just ancestral land, but Seneca land, and a rather significant, possibly, probably a more significant percentage of the student population in Salamanca than the other schools in, in, for, for Cataraugus um, are native. You know, the, the school superintendent says 38% of the student body are native. I suspect it's probably lower than that because many of those, those kids are probably only self-describing themselves as native. They may not be a part of a nation. They may not be you know, Seneca or Mohawk or Onondaga or, and, and, happen, and just happening to live there. It's probably less than that, but but even at thirty eight percent, it means that you know the vast majority of the uh, of the school are non native. 
But because a rather significant percentage of the student body are native, that also gave Salamanca a little bit different standing in asking for this permission. And, and, and of course, the Seneca Nation, in granting this per, uh, permission, talked about the, the relationship that the nation has with the school district, and including programs and, and, and that kind of thing. But the problem is that the, that the logo and the mascot are still representing like an 18th century image or view of who we, we are. And, and they seem to conflict a little bit. So what, is, what was never addressed in this permission slip from the Seneca Nation was how the location of the school and the number of students that go there who are native, how that negates the harm that has been clearly researched by the American Psychological Association, the, National, the New York Association of School Psychologists, uh, many other um, psychological groups and, uh, and child development experts. Nor does it explain how the Seneca Nation could, could praise the statewide ban on one hand when it was every place else except for the city of Salamanca. It doesn't, it doesn't explain any of that. And of course, there wasn't a whole lot of Seneca's weighing in. I weighed in on this thing plenty, but you know, I'm a Mohawk and I live in Seneca territory. And in many ways, sometimes my outspokenness is not always well received, especially when I'm, a, when I'm taking on Seneca issues. Some people appreciate it. And when I'm taking on a Seneca issue where we're fighting the state, I usually have pretty good support. But if I'm taking on the Seneca Nation because I don't agree with some of the things that they're doing, um, yeah, I, I'm probably not quite as popular in, the, in that situation. But I try to be consistent. I have heard some Senecas weighing in as of late. We had a situation, in fact, it was just last week, that some of our kids were playing lacrosse uh, from Lakeshore High School, uh, and that's where the students from Cataraugus, some of the students from Cataraugus go. They were playing against a team uh, one of the Buffalo suburbs called Williamsville. And, you know, there were Native people recording some of the game, um, both video and, of course, audio. Uh, and there were parents that were sitting, you know, intermixed with, with parents from, from Williamsville. And one parent was heard calling the Native kids savages and really being derogatory. Um, that word in itself is derogatory. And it made the news out here in western New York. And um, the assumption has been, although I haven't heard the, how this thing was, was totally taken care of, but the assumption was that the Williamsville School District was going to um, somehow reprimand that parent because it was easy to identify who it was and, and that kind of thing. So, but the schools in Salamanca and, uh, and the schools that service the, 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 the Cattaraugus students um, all kind of weighed in on this thing. And so this was a, a well-documented and well-known circumstance. And I was glad to see one former student of Salamanca basically say the reason a parent could feel comfortable enough to do that, even with Native people sitting beside them, is because of the mascot issue. And that is exactly right. Racism that Native people experience is oftentimes unique. It's, it, and it, it's not because it's more subtle. But there's an acceptance. The fact that we, that we could be even used for mascots when no other people are used this way, and don't even bring up Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish, but there are no other populations of people who are used both as some sort of you know, um, 
way of casting us only as relics of the past, which is exactly what gets done with the mascot issue. But the fact that we're used for the amusement and entertainment of pro teams, some college teams still, and what was over 2,000 high schools throughout New York or throughout the country, and frankly, over 100 in New York State. That's, I mean, that's a unique form of racism. And the idea that we could be condemned by parents when they're competing against us, and some of those same schools would actually use us for their mascot, is this, it's this crazy love-hate relationship that Native people have lived with in the entire history of the United States. I mean, people were, were drawn to this notion of the noble savage. But at the same time, we're completely prepared to wipe us out and exterminate us so our lands could be available to them. And, 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 you know, and that's the strange relationship. I mean, I've, you know, I recently, in fact, during the book launch, I talked about this quote that I heard um, from, uh, I think it's Henry Pratt, and he's the guy who was uh, instrumental in the residential schools. He cites a, um, um, a military... Uh, general by the name of Philip Sheridan. And ironically, Philip Sheridan's, um, there's a statue of him at the Capitol, in the ca at the Capitol in, in Albany of New York State. And what Philip Sheridan is, is most famous for is, and whether it's a direct quote or it's just been assigned to him, but he's, he's most famous for a, the, the quote that says, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And Pratt and, and this is quite a few years later, by the way, or maybe not many years, but, but it's, it's years later after Sheridan is, is associated with this quote, says he agrees with it. And that's why he was promoting the strategy and the uh, associated with, with re residential schools of killing the Indian and saving the man. Because he believed you had to kill the Indian in the child because the only good Indian was a dead Indian. But if you killed the Indian and the child, if you could separate all aspects of that nativeness, that Indianness from the child, you could have a you could have a, a human being that was worth saving afterwards. Kill the Indian, save the man. That was Colonel Pratt's uh, slogan, and that is what Canada used. And in fact, they they reconfigured the quote a little bit, but it, it's, it's the same quote. It was used in Canada and the United States. And, and that's tied to education, folks, but an education that is not taught in the schools. It's not even taught really in Salamanca. So, you know, look, this is the challenge that we have. And this gets back to, you know, to our book, the, you know, the Mohawk Warrior Society. That's what we were all about. We were trying to educate. It's why I do this show and why I so much appreciate having the opportunity to be aired in New York City on WBAI and in Washington, D.C. on WPFW. And it's why I was doing month, monthly events in New York when, uh, when I was making that trip. And why I hope, you know, if not, not monthly, it'd be, it'd be great to do something every couple of months in, in Washington or New York, live events. And look, I was screening films, I was bringing in speakers, I was even bringing in musicians. I had a, I had a, have a, had a native rapper come in, or a couple of native rappers come in. I had, I had my friend Jeff Doreen, who uh, ironically 
when I traveled to New York this time, uh, my friend wanted to go to the area of Central Park uh, called Strawberry Fields, where they've got the John Lennon uh, mosaic with Imagine written. So we go there and we listen to these guys play. We played Le uh, Beatles tunes. I had a friend who I took there and actually who, who uh, joined in with one of those performers um, because he sings Beatles tunes. In fact, he, he would do Beatles tunes in, um, in Mohawk. And, and I had him come twice to, to Brooklyn to perform uh, and, and do his Mohawk versions of Beatles tunes. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that I did. And, and these guys are still available to do some of these events. If, you know, if, if I can ever get myself back in a place to, um, to, to hosting, you know, live events. And look, they would be predominantly WBAI events or WPFW events. Um, and of course, I am I'm getting more engaged and I'm getting a little busier with trying to do some of these things. So, um, but anyway, this is, this is kind of where we're at. Um, when I heard that the, that the president of the Seneca Nation was giving permission for uh, the city of Salamanca School District to keep their logo um, and, their, um, and their nickname, I was disappointed. And, and I was, frankly, I was a little embarrassed. And, and, I, and I posted that. I, you know, I said that. It's, it's kind of what I was you know, relating on Facebook and social media during this, uh, this week. Even as I was getting excited to do this event on Tuesday night, this is kind of one of those things that was, you know, a thorn in the side. One of the things I will say about the permission is that the President Armstrong said this permission could be revoked any time. Now, if I'm a school district that has these logos all over my school and have to maintain the, you know, the, the condition of these logos all over my school and the, the, this nickname, I got to think, do I really want to continue to um, ensure that those logos you know, stay in the condition that they are in? Do I want to keep doing uniforms with those names on it if I know that permission could disappear at any time? And as I'm starting to hear some more and more buzz about the problem with that logo and, uh, and, and nickname, I don't know how long that permission will last from the Seneca Nation for the city of Salamanca School District. If I'm the superintendent of that school, I'm thinking that maybe I need to scale back the usages of that for that day that it does go away. And it, you know, it might not be for a year. But who knows? Enough noise gets made over it. And look, and it's not gonna be made by me. I've made my case for it, and, and I didn't generate a whole lot of buzz. But once I started hearing Seneca's weighing in on it, now it's starting to have an effect. I understand the Seneca voice should carry more weight in Seneca territory. I'm just trying to provide information. But again, I played a significant role in getting this statewide ban. And to see the president of the Seneca Nation say, well, we're gonna let one school keep it. We're going to let one continue to do it. And there is, frankly, there, you know, the St. Regis Mohawk Tribal Council has weighed in on the Messina School District. I don't know how that one's going to play out because it's a little bit of a different situation. And, and I'm not really at liberty to talk too much about it. But um, that one might not fly. And, and, and when that story starts to break, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. As many of you know, I've, I've told you that, that I am on the New York State uh, Department of Education's Indigenous Mascot Advisory Council. So I do have an opportunity to, to see what schools are trying to do. Um, you know, frankly, uh, you know, 
almost in real time. And I and we we meet regularly to talk about not only the what the rules are, but how we're going to help um, with, with with these rules and how we're going to, to help schools interpret these rules and 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 offer advice on what they should and shouldn't do as as it pertains to these rules. So I do I do have a role at the state level. Not a, it's not a job. I'm not employed by the state, uh, but I do have a role at the state level. Uh, when it comes to this this mascot issue, hey, look, I did want to take a few calls, <laughs> and Reggie's probably wondering, didn't you say you want to take a few calls? Well, Reggie, I do want to take I a few calls. I was just about <laughs> to say that, and we're we've only got about ten minutes left, so I'm hoping that may, perhaps somebody who came to the event, or as I was hoping last week, I, I almost wanted to hear from somebody who was kind of pro mascot to, to to maybe ask me, you know. What's wrong with being honored by with mascots? So you, or something? you're going to continue on poking that bear, aren't you? I've got, I've got it because I know <laughs> I, Reggie. You've read some of what's coming out of Long Island. I know, I know you have. <laughs> I, know, so. I know, I know, I know. But yet, but I also realize that that some of those folks are probably more right leaning and they don't listen to WBAI. Perhaps uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't well, know. Yeah, <laughs> there's that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The one would assume safely. Yeah. All right. So I posted the number on my Facebook live stream, but let me give the number again. Uh, I better put my glasses on because I'll get this wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, the number is 212-209-2877. That is correct. You know, that actually rolls off better than the pledge line. You know, because that, that's one of our old original numbers, isn't it? It is one of the old, yeah, yeah, it's one of the, yeah, one of the older numbers. Yeah. yeah so that's that, that we were 212 2877. That's the studio line. So if you want to call in and beat me up over mascots or uh, or whatever you want to do, you know, well, we already got a caller. So uh, I guess you know, be careful what you wish for. So uh, <laughs> so caller, you're on the line with John Kane. Tell him uh, who you are and where you're calling this from. Arnold from Peekskill. Arnold, I I Arnold, remember hey. Arnold from Peekskill. Yep. Yeah, I did. I had the book. I wasn't at the event, but I got I get it monthly. I get from PM Press. Awesome, awesome. So I know I know Ramsey, Cannon, and Steve. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but uh, yeah. So I I'm reading the book. I'm almost done with it. I get a lot of books from PM Press, and I highly recommend uh, people uh, becoming uh, members of WBAI as well as PM Press. Well, uh, and of course, I only look. I, I I claim to be a contributor to the book. I, my my section is only about five pages, but it. Uh, but you know, I I wanted to explain because there's we know what high schools do with the word warrior, and we know yeah. what you know. Frankly, you know Hollywood and everybody else has done with. But I wanted to give a real life explanation on on the role that we not just as men, but as as people who are trying to you know take care of our families and our communities play. So that's why my, my, my piece is called, I am a warrior. And then I define yes. it. So I don't know what your thoughts yes. were on my, on what I contributed, but, uh, I thought, uh, I, well, I kind of hit the mark. it was, it was interesting, John. And, and of course the, the folks who, who were interviewed for the beginning of the book, um, guys like uh, my friend, Paul Delaron, Dagarundege, uh, my friend, Loren Thompson, Delazaraga, and my my dear friend uh, Francis Boots, who is uh, Arunya Dago, um, these guys uh, have you know, have been the people that I've worked with, and and they're older than me, and they've influenced me just like Louis Hall did, 
Um, and they were the people who were closer to Louis Hall than I ever was. So these are these guys were the ones who really um, mentored me as as I was getting involved in, in issues. So I was thrilled to do the event. I was thrilled to participate with them in this book and to, to ha and honored to be able to contribute to something that is so uh, directly associated with Louis Hall. I'm glad you got the book. Um, do you, you know, my hope was that that ultimately young people would be encouraged by some of what uh, the book right. has to say. And I don't. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I agree. I mean, there's I, there was I was on the train. I was reading the book, and there was this gentleman that was looking, and he was very fascinated by it. And there was I told him there was also at the time the uprising of wounded knee. As well as the uprising up in, um, oh, up in in San Francisco, on, uh, Alcatraz. Yeah, taking yeah. Alcatraz back. Yep. We, in fact, uh, Richard Alcatraz, Oaks, yeah. one of one of the guys from Alcatraz, was there. Him and his yeah. wife. So I was talking to them, and they remember the uprising. So I told them I recommend the book, and I recommended um, PM Press. Well, that's great. I, I I appreciate you doing that, and uh, and I did. I was able to secure a few books that I will offer up as a premium when we go into Fund Drive later in this month. Um, I, I'm sorry you missed it, but I will say we did um, uh, we did record this, and uh, it's going to take a while for us to to edit and, and get it uh, up. But for those who were not able to attend the book launch, you will have an opportunity to to view it probably on YouTube or wherever once we get the the video um, you know worked on. Uh, so I mean you'll you'll get a chance to hear. I mean one of the most fascinating things is hearing the voices of those guys who speak the language. And understanding mm -hmm. how clear and articulate the language is, and how, and almost how specific and uh, and bold the language sounds. I mean, oftentimes when you know you, you hear somebody speaking another language, it's you know you you may not hear it as directly as you're going to hear it from these guys. And and you know, and these guys have been you know the, they're the ones that I turn to when I'm looking for an explanation that comes from our history or our language. So. Mm -hmm. You know, thrilled, thrilled to have been a part of this event and, uh, and been a part of the panel with these guys. So, um, Arnold, I want to thank you. Uh, I, I think okay, I hope to talk to you. hope to see you soon. All right. I hope so, too. I will be returning Take care, to New all York. The best. Thank you. I will re be returning to New York to do other events. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I had nothing scheduled yet, but uh, it, that was this was kind of my first test to see how, frankly, how my knee held up. And uh, I got through it. I'm, uh, I'll, be, I'll be much better in a couple of days, but I, I'll be, I got through it. Uh, again, so the number to call is 212-209-2877. Uh, is That's 212-209-2877. Um, uh, don't have a whole lot of time left, but if you're a caller and you want to weigh in, then by all means. Got anybody in the wings yet, Reg? No, no, not that. that no, Arnold, Arnold was, you know, Arnold's old school, so he has to, he has a station on speed dial. So, uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate. You know, I, I realized that I made the promise, and then, and then I waited till till so far into the show to do it. So I, I'm glad that Arnold hung with us, and you know, and look, you know, Lonnie Harrington was there, and we all know Lonnie. Lonnie's one of my, you know, yeah, he's one of my dedicated listeners. A great musician, um, got a single that's uh, that's getting some airtime right now. Um, so it was, it was great to see Lonnie, um, uh, and, and look, so many others, uh, uh Mitchell was there. I mean, I, I saw people who I hadn't seen in a while, so it wow. was, uh, it was, it, it was great. Um, and look, this is something that I was really committed to doing when I was making the trip to New York every week. And I'm hoping that I can, you know, either generate, 
not just the resources, but the connections. So, you know, so it's easier for me to go to New York and have a place to stay and that kind of stuff. I used to have this great place to stay right there uh, near Penn, uh, Penn Station in Chelsea, but that building got sold and it, uh, and, and now it's, I think it's luxury apartments or something now. So, oh, great. Uh, so I've got to, I've got to, I've got to make a new connection if I'm going to you know, try to come to New York on a fairly regular basis. I doubt I'll be doing it right. weekly, um, but you know, I wouldn't mind doing it once a month or once every couple of months. Do a show in studio, in you know, in our WBI studio uh, or our WPFW studio, and then try to work that in with doing an event in uh, in either one of the locations as well. That's my plan. Um, um, I don't have it really that defined yet, but that's it's always what I wanted to get back to. When I when I stopped going to New York three years ago, I had no idea that I wouldn't be going back for another three years. I mean, uh, this was so. This was. A bit of an adventure just for me to get back to going to New York. So um, uh, I'm thrilled to have, have done it. Um, and like I said, it's a bit of a test for what I hope to do both in New York and Washington, D.C. Uh, in the future. So uh, I want to, I again, I thank Arnold for, for purchasing the book. Uh, PM Press is the, the, the direct uh, link to, uh, to the, the, um, the publisher of the book. And, of course, you can use some of the other... Um, uh, clearing houses for, for books. You know, some you know we are more fans of than others. I won't mention any by name, but uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but um, this is something that uh, that I feel pretty strongly about, and I and I think there's something to be gained from from reading this book. So uh, so please do please do check it out. Um, if you are want to be patient and wait for our uh, um, our fund drive. I will be offering the book up as a premium. Um, I'm not sure for what don't level, donation level. Somebody else will determine that for me, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Reggie, I will say, I was looking for you in the crowd. I was hoping you would get you know, break away and get I, there. I knew you was going to bring this up. <laughs> I got and, to. You I know, got to. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, no, no. It's all good because I did say I was going to come in, but something came up. You know, with my uh, with my with my mother and. Uh, still dealing with her situation and then uh, you know that that kind of prioritized all that stuff so no i I, I, under, I completely understand i completely understand yeah that, i missed you I, put I, it but, that way <laughs> no i missed you too man come on how we uh go into the back room and, and instigate and just like see what how people would would go and look at us and say, walk, walk by the instigating. doorway and say what are those two guys talking about yeah and they're like yeah we're playing yeah we got plans for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have those opportunities going forward, you know. And, and oh look, yeah, I'm looking forward to that again. You know, it, it, it'd be great to do some some events for the show, but uh, you know, frankly, um, I'm trying to get more involved just in general. So I'm hoping to get some speaking engagements. I hear engagements you. I hear you totally. Stuff, so so what, whether they're events that I plan or whether they're events I'm invited to, I hope to make it the trip back to New York and back to Washington. So. Um, I want to look. I, I want to thank those guys who who came out. Um, look, follow the work. Follow the work. I mean, stay on top of even some of this mascot stuff. I mean, and don't be afraid to weigh in. You've heard, you know, exactly why we oppose this kind of stuff. And I know that there's some people who are really wanting to dig in on stuff. And and some of the hate mail and some of the the hate we've 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 uh, witnessed uh, as a result of this ban, it's been kind of remarkable. But not on you, not surprising, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, definitely. All you right, know. Reggie. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 again, I apologize. We will try to do more calls. I know we've got some schedules disru disruptions coming up um, over the next few weeks, but uh, I do plan to go back to return to calls. I just got to stop talking so much, I guess. So, um. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll look for that in the future. Reg, thanks for that. And uh, we'll, uh, I think I'm off next week. Um, but uh, you look, I'm always around. So follow me on Facebook. You'll see us. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Yahweh. It's John Kane. This is Radio. <laughs>